Hello and welcome back to the Student Pages podcast. As always, I'm your host, Grace Sanders. I am joined here by the lovely DJ duo, not one, but both of the Dixon brothers. How are you guys doing today? Yeah, we're good. I have to admit, you're, you're dressed in sync today. Like, what do you what do you guys call yourselves when you're like only one of you is going somewhere? Are you coming as like a package deal? <laughs> it's always happened. We'll end up always dressed alike. It's always the way. And yeah. It works. It's, it's a brother team is just like where it's at because I know I can. He's got my back twenty four seven, and he knows mm-hmm. I've got his back twenty four six. I was going to ask, going to back to you, like your roots and like how you go into music. Does family act as like a big source of, of, of inspiration for your driving for your like DJing? Absolutely. My uncle was a DJ, and he came to DJ at my tenth birthday, and he was there with his turntables cutting up new kids on the block and and uh, I was like gosh what is this magical sorcery and that kind of sparked it I kind of Adrian kind of got into it at the same time but I think he activated first he started working in a record shop in Croydon which is called Swag Records like it's a heritage it's no longer with us uh, god bless it but he started there then I went to university in Birmingham I thought I'm going to be a cool DJ dude and so I decided to give it a go blagged my first set Train wrecked the first couple of mixes, but got the third one right. And yeah, I came back from Birmingham, Agent went up, and then we decided to team up. When I, once Agent graduated, we teamed up. And Dixon Brothers was born probably 18 years. So I've got the flyer from Plan B in my DJ room. So I think it's about 18 years ago we, we actually teamed up properly. When I came back from going to Birmingham to Union, I was kind of doing a sort of like R&B and hip-hop scene, like the student scene there, which went really well. So I had like some good success up in Brum. But when I came back to London, it was almost like, right, you're starting from ground zero. So I was out there trying to hustle my own DJ sets. Justin was killing it himself. And it was like, there's no point in us almost being in competition. And once we like, Justin brought me in on, on plan B and we started to see that both of our styles complement each other. Like we're, we're, we're different DJs, but our brains work kind of the same. So when we actually collaborated, the shows went up and then we just kind of developed our style from there it's so nice to have that like organic like h- harmony as well like no matter if you're just on the same wavelength in your music in day-to-day life like we're very we're very lucky in it like people have said it to us quite a few times that the the bond that me and my brother have is sometimes people like this it's strange like you're like twins we our grandparents and our parents always said that we have to stick together when we were little it was like you two stick together and I remember my granddad saying, like, you two stick together. And they, were, they were absolutely correct because it works. <laughs> With the way that me and Justin work and how close we are, we can also, we've just created like a shorthand. So people will see us on stage. For me, there's nothing better than when it's all clicking, like it's all going well. And you kind of like look across the stage and it's your brother. And you're like, yeah, this is what's up. It's cool. <laughs> You've been pretty much all over the world, like, together, thanks to your decks. Like, can you give us, like, a quick rundown of, like, your, your world tour? So we've been lucky enough to get about a fair bit, clocking up a few air miles. So we've been to Hong Kong, Vegas, uh, do in the summer, usually across Europe. So that'd be uh, Marbella, Mallorca, Ibiza. And we do the UK kind of festival circuit. So we've got, like, Reading, Wireless, Leeds, Latitude, hopefully Glastonbury again. That was a vibe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going to talk about Glastonbury 2 <laughs> yeah we leave them stories where they're at Glastonbury 2 was an absolute mess and yeah up and down the country quite regularly we've got a few more kind of things we're, looking, we're targeting this year we're off to Austria in next Jesus next month uh, for snow bombing so that's one of our favourite ones to do each year 
so yeah, the tour kind of evolves, but they, these are the ones that are in already. So what has been like your favourite place to visit and where would you never go again? I'm not going to lie. I'm very curious about Glastonbury too. What is happening there? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> right, the best one place we've ever played, because, you know, I think Hong Kong really stands up there and headlining Vegas is, is was massive. But this we played a venue in Egypt once called the Dolce oh, yeah. And this still to this day is my favourite venue that we've ever played. So the Dolce Vita is in the middle of absolutely nowhere in Egypt. It's like it's in the middle of the desert. So you kind of, we got picked up in this and it's like four by four. It's late at night and you're getting four by four and off they go. And they drove us into the, like you're on the road and then suddenly the, I remember the four by four like turning and then we're off road. And now we're just in the middle of this desert at night. And I'm looking at just like, yo, <laughs> 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 I don't know what's going going on here brother and then suddenly on the horizon this like this mountain turns up from nowhere and it's got like lanterns all around it and it's getting bigger and bigger and like what the hell is that and you get up there and then it's literally someone has bought this this like mountain and hollowed it out and put a club right in the middle of it and it's kind of it's got like a massive swimming pool and there's like if you think you're inside of a rock face so it's all lanterns everywhere and then me and him had a, a fantastic set like it was ridiculous until actually the sound <laughs> not to blow our own horn but we're killing like it's going off and then i'm on the decks and justin's on the mic at the front of the stage and there's like there's loads of people it's massive this venue and then I'm in the mix and I see this little flight, like it flies past my eyeline and I see it, but I'm in the mix now, so I can't move. And then I've seen it it's landed on the CDJ. And I'm like, I'm looking at it whilst mixing. And the, this little, it's like a little fruit flyer, not massive. It goes like with a CDJ, you've got like a platter like that. And it goes underneath it and electrocutes itself, but shorts out all the sound, like all the equipment just turned off. Wait, we're in this like massive venue in the middle of the desert and suddenly boom all the sound goes so i'm like <laughs> shit i'm looking at just i'm like i've got to reset everything so i've got to just like you've got the talk so i didn't so I'm, have the talk though bro at that point i was trash <laughs> yeah at that point this was early in our performance days so like our mic game oh, for chatting to the crowd wasn't as good as it is now so i've shouted to just just talk and I'm resetting all the equipment. <laughs> Justin's no <laughs> awful. Were you giving yeah, them a type not... five on the stage? Right. I'm I remember Justin, I'm behind the decks now, resetting everything. Yeah. I've looked up, Justin's like, Are you ready to go? I'm like, no. So I'm like, you better keep talking. So Justin's like, anyone celebrating a birthday or something, <laughs> something <laughs> like that. But then managed to reset everything and then we went again. And then because we we had that tech issue you've now got to go double hard now because the crowd is like getting a little bit twitchy so then we had to perform at the best of our capability and that one i just remember looking up seeing like we're in a mountain there's a massive swimming pool there there's all these people here like some scene from the matrix there's lanterns everywhere and that was one i'll never ever forget but there's no pictures because camera phones weren't banging back there so it's all up there but the tune that actually killed it for us at the final bit was Afterglow. But it sounds like you played like a James Bond villain lair rather than a club. If there was inside a mountain, I was Actually, waiting yeah. for like, 
one of like the henchmen to like crawl out from the swimming pool or something. Absolutely, like enter the dragon or something like that. Yeah, you're totally right there. You also attended, well, last year's now uh, World Cup and did some DJing there. So we were out there for a week and we saw uh, Morocco versus Adrian Fulmian. Morocco versus Argentina? Because Mbappe was playing. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, saw that match. And we thought we weren't going to get anywhere near the final, but then at the final the final moment, uh, to use a pun, um, the squad came through with um, some tickets, so we managed to get in briefly. We were in between sets to see um, Argentina put the second goal in. And, like, in terms of atmosphere, like, I'm a big believer in human energy, and the energy in that flipping stadium at that point when that goal went in was ridiculous. It was electric to use yeah. a far overused phrase, but it really it just was. It was like wow, just mental. And then we had to go back and do some more DJ. <laughs> but it was good, man. Uh, definitely bucket list ticks. Uh, it was wicked out there. We went to one of the, the kind of a uh, market site in Qatar. And it was nice to get kind of as well as doing more like the Hollywood stuff with DJing and celebs and whatnot, actually to touch a bit of culture. And the markets over there was like, spices and random animals and cloths and tea drinking and rugs and all sorts of just real kind of real stuff so that was nice we enjoyed that so is there any kind of correlation between like uh, the places that you travel and like the how hard the crowd goes like where is like the best place for partying but yeah Ibiza is probably the most mental crowd in certain corners Marbella is very very towy but if you get into old town Marbella so when we do Marbella I was explaining to Grace that Marbella is quite towy-ish it's lots of beef cakes and bikinis so we tend to do our gigs there at the, at the venue and then Asian I will cut out into old town Marbella because we love our food as well you might have seen us on Ready Steady Cook where Adrian unfortunately won I will have my revenge but we love food and there's a wicked couple of restaurants in old town Marbella they just sit there and watch the evening just descend in terms of your initial question about the most intense place party wise I mean, well, I, I, I've got to say, like, for, when you get it right in Ibiza, you can get it right. Like, it's, there's nothing else like it. Because uh, we do uh, we do a venue called O Beach. It's called Ocean Beach. Now called O Beach, where we do a history party. And it's like the, the crowd are there to party and just to get all the way involved. Like, you can go to some places where people will go more to either chill or more to get their Instagrams off. But this place is like somewhere where people want to get involved. And we, when we've had some really, really good performances there, especially like last year's one, we absolutely smashed. And then yeah. when, we, when we do it, when we go to Ibiza, our friends and family come with us as well. Yeah. So there's like a, the, the DJ booth just full of like our mates, uncles, cousins, <laughs> godsons, and we're all there just vibing out together. So I think Ibiza is is one of the destinations that we look forward to every year. Right there in September. Yeah, sometime in September, yeah. Hong Kong is compl- is is like, it's a different culture. But, but they, know, they know their stuff. Yeah. yeah. Massive garage heads out there. Who knew? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who knew? Who knew? Garage and hip-hop was ringing when we were there. Yeah. So, yeah, ev- do you know what? Everywhere offers different experiences. You take from it what you will. You can either keep yourself really in the DJ mode and I'm just going to do this, or you can really open your eyes to where you are and like Justin said, like the culture and whatnot. And because we're about that life, we love culture, food, art, fashion. It all comes together to make it an incredible experience. Remember the dance circle in Qatar? I wanted to get involved, but, you know, couldn't, <laughs> couldn't get in. Couldn't like, get there in. was a group, it's like, um, 
like a massive. The only thing I can compare it to in the, in the UK is the Yoki Koki. These <laughs> old geezers, right, were in a massive hoop circle, and they were just going in all the way, fully committed. And the, the big, the biggest showman was the elderly, tiny little dude, and he was just, oh, he was, he was popping. He was vibes. He went into getting guest list for the next one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we'll circle back round to Ready Steady Cook as that has piqued something in my deep in my memory of when my nan used to pick me up from school, and that was the only thing that we watched afterwards. But I wanted to ask a little bit more about how, like, you know, like the the crowd is popping. Like, is it just pure vibes off what you're getting, or is there like signifiers if tonight's going to be a good night? Um. So. When we're walking towards a venue, we can we we call we've got a sixth sense of this sort of stuff. Sixth sense, yeah. So you can feel the energy of coming up to the venue if it's going to be a good night. We know we can be outside a venue and know how busy it is by how the bass knocks through the walls. So we can so you can kind of prepare yourself for what you're getting into. But then when you're playing, I personally, just you might you might be different, but I can feel the crowd. So I can feel when something's off. And you, because we're open format DJs, we can jump between different styles. So you can feel where maybe the crowd aren't with you for a certain style and you have to manoeuvre them to where you want them to get to. So, yeah, for, for me, it's quite, it's a physical feeling. Like, I feel it when it's going, when it's going right. Just? Yeah, no, I would completely echo that, bro. Kind of, we we give out our own energy as Dixon Brothers and our performances and we then feed back off the crowd's energy and it's basically just a, a flow of just vibes. And because mm. the audience can see that we're having a good, good old time on stage and mm. we're also smashing it with the tunes mm. and I'm telling them, I'm giving them orders on the mic, it works. It's just a kind of, kind of a, a concoction of nonsense that comes to good vibes. You're kind of in like a, um, you're in like a flow state and everything's, it's almost like everything becomes easy and it's just like, it's just coming to you and you know, you can, you're like, I can play anything right now and it's going to work. Do you know what I mean? And, and because the way that me and Just DJ is we're always thinking at least three tracks ahead. So almost we're, we're setting you up for something. We've got a full plan. Like we have tricks that we do and whatnot and set up moves that we do. So we're some, when you're listening to one thing, we're already three tracks down the line setting you up for something else or setting you up for a style switch. And when you've got them, you can't go wrong and sometimes sometimes it don't work and you just have to think in your feet yeah those that's the that flow state is incredible it's amazing feeling and that's like incredible advice just from like a place of experience of like djing for x amount of time or just doing like so many gigs to get up like just that feeling for the crowd knowing when the songs are coming and just that planning as well you're more geographically grounded now uh, than, than your world tour over at KISS FM. Can you tell us a little bit more about your KISS Freshers scheme? Yeah. Um, you want to go for it? You want to take it? You're going to say the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, basically, um, so Asian and I, we've been DJing for, uh, since the, the late 90s. And we realised that when we got in the door, we had to kind of find the door and crash through it. And there was no one kind of... Uh, like leading a little ladder to pull us up into it. So one of the things we, we are quite keen on now, as having been in the game for a minute, is actually creating a legacy and bringing through the next generation of talent and inspiring and opening doors that we didn't have accessible to us when we started. And it's really nice to see like these new little crop of DJs coming through. Lovely to feel that they're kind of um, 
their gratitude and also their skill sets coming through. They're coming through, you know, the doors at KISS. Um, and, you know, it feels nice to kind of play a part in their career. Hopefully at the very start of a, of a very, what's the word I'm looking for? Prosperous career. Yeah, kind of um, with, with, with KISS Freshers, it, we've always wanted to do this, like help out the next generation of DJs. We've always wanted it. And it was actually in like, it was in the, the pandemic. So when that happened, you had, uh, I think Justin and I were listening to like LBC or something like that. And it was, and it was like students on who were talking about they're there on their first year and they can't go out. So there's no freshers week. There's no, there's no events to go to. And like Justin said, like, my DJ career definitely kicked off when I went to uni because I just jumped into doing like the student parties and whatnot. And I had that, that, that access to that world. And when I was then we listening to all these students saying they can't go to that, their hall, their party in their halls or stuff like that. We were like, right, we can create a platform for these up and coming student DJs to get their talents out. And we can also put it on one of the biggest platforms in the UK, which is, which is KISS. And, and then after the pandemic passed, we wanted to continue that and then continue it. And it's, you know, it's just got better and better and better. And the, the talent of these next generation of DJs and also how they DJ, it's really interesting. Like every generation DJs differently and it keeps us on our toes as well, which is good. You know, we, we can see, we can see them coming like, all right, they're not chill. Let me just have that USB stick kit. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's, it's great. It's great to do. And we'll continue to open doors and we're about to open our first physical DJ school, which is going to be coming at the end of the year. And then really at that point, we're opening doors for everyone and trying to teach what's up here. Cause there's a lot more to this game and being successful in this game than just the DJ. You have to know everything from marketing to how you approach people, to how you treat people, branding, all this sort of stuff. That's what we'll be teaching at the school and through Kids Freshers. So if I could vie for some free advice out there, what kind of like key things would you say now to like junior DJs? Like, because I know nothing about like going out and booking or like even getting decks, knowing how to mix, like, because it's not like you can just turn up an audition for somewhere. Like if you're like an actor or a singer or something. Um, I would say the first, well, importantly, no is not an answer. So you're going to hear a hell of a lot of notes, but you have to keep knocking on that door. And if you are, if you prepare yourself, so you know your music, you're not just getting the top, the first top 10 tracks you see on Spotify or whatever, you're actually a student of the game and you're not doing it for Instagram likes because that, if you're out there just to get big on socials, it's going to pass you by. You might have two or three years where you pop in, but eventually you're going to come up against DJs like us and our peers who are really about this life and you're going to struggle to keep up there. Once the bright lights are on, they're really bright. And so know your craft, learn your craft, practice network don't take no for an answer and then just shoot just 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 go for it like we got i remember you kind of actually what you said at the beginning about auditioning you kind of do have that like eventually someone i was put on when i started i remember i paid a played a pub in croydon and my audition there this was about without justin so i had no backing they just threw me in and they would they will take you off the decks if you sucks 
And I had to show in that moment that I was ready to go. And that was my audition. And that moment, and then they kept coming back and they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then, um, yeah, you got thick skin as well, though, because it's very real out here. Yeah. <laughs> it's very real. Yeah, that, that's for me, that's me. Yeah, I think you've just spoken nothing but facts there, mate. So I'll just shut up. <laughs> We've started to see like some lineups coming out now for like the fest festivals. It's starting to get a little bit warmer. Like, how are you feeling about like the summer music scene of 2023 now? And like all of those big names, I mean, like we, we still have, I think Fatboy Slim is one of the headliners for Glastonbury this year. Like, and he's been DJing since the 90s as well, possibly even before that. And like, what what um, inspiration do you draw from the, from the DJs that you see? Question, good question. I think inspiration wise, I would say the generations before us were about that music and that's what they're about. They're not about like I used to like the Instagram or any any kind of, they're not about fame. They're just about, I love playing tunes and I play them really well. And you like tunes, so let's connect. And that, that's kind of the purism that kind of came before us. And that's kind of part of what we take into our DNA and our inspiration and the way that we operate. We love playing tunes really loud and really good. <laughs> that's it. It's a simple formula. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, the inspiration is is all around you if you look for it you can be quite insular and be like right, i'm just doing this but when you like look outwards and i know we we threw a bit of shade there at instagram i love instagram <laughs> but it's like instagram also allows you to see what everyone else is doing and it djing is an art form and you will always see something that someone else has done now you we don't copy anyone because if you do you will get caught out so you don't copy ever however someone will do something and you'll be like I, I need to up my skills or I need to go and figure out something. And we're, though the DJ network may not talk to each other all the time, through things like Instagram and social media, we're pushing each other to be better because you don't, you, the game moves so quickly that you could be just left behind. So one of my friends will do something that will inspire me to go, right, I need to go and up my, my scratching skills on my left hand side because I can see, I, I can see that I'm not as good as I need to be or they'll, film a video and be like, oh, the way that person edited that video was so good. I need to update my video skills. And me and Justin have, well, I'm usually on the blower to Justin, like, just we've got to do this, we've got to do that. But it does, the inspiration comes from, from everything. Our family as well. Like, I get super inspired by our family because they're always, they're watching and commenting and we're the, the eldest of, our, of the cousins as well. So we're trying to show what can be achieved if you really just buckle down and they inspire us because they're all doing incredible mm-hmm. things. So we push each other. You are also ever talented, have a podcast, not that it's a competition, about your other hobbies in cooking. Uh, I believe it's called Gas Mark 10. And I wanted to circle back to Ready Steady Cook. Did you get to meet the Ainsley Harriet? It was Ryland's time. And he's, he's now going back to inspiration. Right? So when we do our radio stuff, we have to. Talk and you also mentioned like we might trip over a few words in the podcast today. That geezer is so immaculate with his reads and links and delivery and freestyling. He is god level up there. He's wicked. So when Age and I were on set, we were just watching him because obviously we present in our show, but it's watching someone who's on a whole nother level do it was really inspirational. It actually helped with our kind of delivery on air and in person so yeah he's fine yeah he's he's 
It's almost like he's a robot. The way he turned it on and just smashed it every single time. Like he he would be. We know Ryan as a personality. So you know his personality, big and loud and whatnot. So he could be talking about something completely random, and suddenly the producer says go, and then boom, hits the link, nails it, doesn't stumble on anything, articulates everything perfectly in a violent way, and then boom, out. And like as much as we were in the in the competition against each other, yeah, we're taking mental notes. Like, okay, that's how you do it, and mm. then you need to start your pacing, and you hit him, you go like that. So yeah. Ready, steady, cook. Um, and gas, our, our podcast, Gas Mark 10, like, it's, it just allows us to just chat about food all day long. I mean, we've got like a WhatsApp group called Medium Rare, which is just us yeah. and a bunch of our mates just talking about food. And <laughs> that's how much we're really in it. So the thing with food is it's another art form. Do you know what I mean? We're, and so you can combine music and food the two go really hand in hand so it, with the podcast allows us to talk about it. oh my god let's go bring holy yeah. apron <laughs> that is worth it apron. Old, you know. <laughs> what a reveal what a reveal anyway it's not for that yeah. but um no yeah it was a it was an incredible experience i know that there's a round two coming i don't know i will what, not lose yeah. <laughs> I know just because admittedly, I'll say on the podcast, out of the two of us, Justin's the better chef. Like I I was just having an absolutely incredible MVP performance. <laughs> and my, and my, the, my the chef that I worked with on the show, he was absolutely smashing it. So let me give me give me give me the real time. Agent chef partner, right? Was absolutely insane. Fuck just flambeing, doing all the fancy stuff. I made two sandwiches, man. <laughs> you can make sandwiches even I know better than that I'll send you the episode link right yeah Luke you'll see Aiden Aiden knows he's winning as well oh yeah like, I'm oh, having yeah. a great time <laughs> I'm there with bread bread Justin makes sandwiches I made like steak and stuff like this and I was like I cannot lose to an egg sandwich I just can't. It's impossible. And when you know that you're about to win, I'm having a good old time. Oh, Agent, that face <laughs> for the whole episode. But I'll give you another story from behind the scenes. So, because it was a social distancing time, we had to operate rather than being kind of all over each other. We had to operate at either end of a, of a of a bank. So you'd have one stove at one end, one stove at the other end, and we had to basically, if we had to kind of switch over, then we had to shoot between each station to not be uh, so close to each other and at one point in my sandwich making process my chef had dropped a silver cookie cutter on the floor the floor at <laughs> really silly cook is wooden so he's gone right switch over transition so i've got this roaring hot pan of sausages and i've shot across to the other side and i've stood on a flipping cookie cutter so i've gone full on the pan <laughs> nearly killed myself but thankfully my course dropped so I held it together and didn't die. <laughs> so that's the story behind the scenes. I didn't know egg sandwiches could be so lethal. <laughs> you you got you to up the game this time. You can't be like flambeing stuff on one side and cracking out the George Foreman panini grill on the other. You know, okay, you're absolutely right because we were doing flambeing stuff because my chef was giving up the full like flames in the sky and Justin was over there making like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What a time! What a time! I love it. I love it. 
I eagerly await the next instalment of Dixon Brothers Ready Steady Cook. Yeah, I need to see where the rivalry goes. You know, you know what? It's also you're kind of spinning back into like uh, DJ and whatnot. It's, it's also knowing that you can just do anything that you want. Like you don't just have to be just a DJ. All your passions can come towards this brand that you're building because we built this brand and we let people actively know we're into this and this and this yeah. and everything then starts to feed in so we can do like a game show about food and it makes sense because everyone knows we're about that food life. Speaking of world, so Aid and I, we also were massively into our cars and we played at Silverstone for the British Grand Prix a couple of times. But then last year we got booked for Goodwood Festival of Speed and we're DJing for McLaren. And then out of nowhere, Carl Cox turns up. Yeah. So yeah, what Adrian's saying about worlds, that was all worlds colliding. Like inspiration, what you mentioned earlier, Grace. We've got the cars that we love outside of DJing and DJing and having a good old time with your mate. Yeah. You mate Carl Cox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, my Bezzy Carl, big C in the dance, <laughs> legend. Speed dog. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of uh, other hobbies, you're also covering Nottingham Fight Night on the 17th of March, I believe, which is a, a boxing night at a student hall. Is boxing like a, another passion of yours? Are you into your sports as well? Well, we did like so the boxing, the, the fight that we covered for um, it was for Matchroom, Dazone, and Kiss was. Was it two weeks ago, Just actually? Yeah. The first one. Yeah, so the first one we did was in um, in in Nottingham. And that was, we've been boxing fans, you know, since we were younger, you know, from the we, days of Mike Tyson just knocking people out in like five seconds. So we always, we always loved it. But that was the first time that we've done the music for it. And it was, it was, it was, a, it was a wild ride. It was, a, you have to be about your, like all the skills that you learned from DJing, knowing music to the nth degree, it all came together in this moment we had to be ready with music in between the rounds around the around the fights Justin with Mike skills that he's perfected were came into play when he would be in the audience giving it the early in the whole stage was like, and it was all going up so that it was it was an incredible night where it's, everything's on roller coaster and I think we've got another one coming up you've got to talk to our manager after this actually to find out where and when but we're going to be doing a lot more stuff in the boxing world. It is it is somewhat of a trend that like um music stars and YouTubers are starting boxing and stuff, which I would I would think is a little bit dangerous. Like, how do you feel about that? Don't get hit. Don't get hit. That's good advice. <laughs> Protect yourself at all costs. But I think I mean boxing has always been a massive spectacle from way back in the day when like everyone would come out in fur coats and whatnot to Madison Square Garden and the gangsters would come out and all this sort of stuff. And no matter how good you are, you've got to pull a crowd. And let's be honest, the people that are big pulling the biggest crowds right now are the social media stars. So <clears> if you put a one of the Paul brothers and on a bill, just their fan base is going to fill a stadium on their own. And I think boxing went through a period of time where it got a little bit quiet. Before, like, AJ turned up, it was a mm. bit quiet. And they had to be looking at elsewhere um, to bring the numbers back. So bringing in the social stars, bringing in the YouTubers, who, you know, they, a majority of them, it would seem to take it very seriously. Like, KSI really is about this life. Jake Paul really does do this. It can only mean better things for the sport. And, again, pushes the, 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 the pros to be better in what they're and um, what they're bringing to the game because they don't want to be passed by a bunch of YouTubers. <laughs> so they need to set their game up as well. Being able to be part of this 
second wave or third wave of boxing is is fantastic i feel like we we've gone through a lot we we've covered music dj and uh football world cup boxing cooking uh thank you ever so much uh both of the dixon brothers for uh speaking with me today it's been absolutely wonderful and a very fun time i look forward to see what you're doing next and it's a final word for me student pages audience is delivering excellence if you want to learn how to present Talk to Grace, because she's good. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. I need to start plugging my own stuff on here as well. Oh, it's been wonderful to speak to you guys. Thank you. All the best. Thank you very much.